BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I, um, right now, um. (laughs) Yeah, right now, what? (laughs) Oh, I haven't heard that one in a while. Jesse Sharkey. Hey, Chicago. Jesse Sharkey and company. Thanks for sponsoring the Ben Jarofsky Show. Yes, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Teachers Union, SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Also, of course, today's show is brought to you by the Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com, for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. And if you want to help out this program, you can become a bin head, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. Hey, how's it going, Terry? Terry says, hello, with a question mark. Hello, Terry, <laughs> on the live stream chat. Uh, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky for more information on how you can help this program. It is Thursday, July 1st, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, she's back. <laughs> Alder woman Sue Sedlowski Garza. And now your host, he's back. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here calling this Nothing's Changed Thursday. And here's why. Ever get the feeling that nothing's changed, that it's all still the same? We act like the fights, the issues, the debates, the fears, the crisis of the last few years have passed. But guess what? They're still here because nothing's changed. I was not expecting that. (laughs) I mean, it fit perfectly there. So, (laughs) Uh, excuse me, folks. I have to get my composure and have a drink of water. (laughs) I think the days in the attic are starting to get to me, D. Well, it's been about a year or so. I guess that makes sense. Getting kind of used to the attic. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes, nothing's changed. Case in point, COVID. Mm, we thought we were done with this one. Stories, however, are starting to creep in the paper that the Delta virus is more persistent than they thought. It seems to be growing. Yes, immunization offers some protection, but not full protection. And over half the population in a lot of states still is not immunized anyway. And they show no signs of getting immunized. And it remains a political issue. It's always been a political issue. So like I said, Nothing's changed. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Hold on. Someone said, I bet this is our guest. Whenever I get a text in the middle of my opening, it's always 
No, it's not. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we have a we have a baby boomer guest today, ladies and gentlemen. Always a little uncertainty when we do that hookup with the baby. I know we're smashing the fourth wall, D, but what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yes, nothing's changed. The University of North Carolina's baseball team got knocked out of the College World Series because so many players had COVID. Coach said he didn't want to demand his players get the immunization because he didn't want to get involved in a political decision. Political? I thought it was a health matter. Now it's one of these political issues you can't discuss in public. Like, you know, when you used to get together with the family and they'd tell you, don't ask Uncle Harry about his views on affirmative action. Just ignore the issue. Now people are starting to say, better wear those masks. Speaking of political decision, wearing a mask has been a political decision since uh, for about a year now. Mixed messages never change when it comes to COVID. Just a few months ago, they were saying, hooray, take your masks off. Hooray, full attendance at baseball stadiums. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just thinking about this. We got all these guys in MAGA hats at baseball games. And they're not wearing masks and they're not immunized. And they're telling us that this new strain, the Delta virus, is more persistent and more deadly and more scary and but I can't talk about it because it's politically incorrect. You don't want to offend anybody. Isn't that weird? The coach at North Carolina is bowing down to political correctness in his dealings with the MAGA members of the team because let's face it, folks, if you have the immunization, you're not afraid to talk about it. It's really only the people who don't have it who are afraid to talk about it. I thought the right was supposed to have wiped out political correctness, but it's still here. The point is, nothing's changed. I'll give you another example. Donald Trump. Yeah, they kicked him off of Twitter, and yeah, 50% of America hates his guts, but he's still revered by MAGA. He visited the wall yesterday down in Texas at the border. About a dozen Republican congressmen tagged along with him, and they were tweeting uh, tweeting about it and sending emails, fundraising solicitations. I know because I get them all. The governor of Texas, Gregory Abbott, welcomed him to the state, sent out an email. I'll be meeting with Donald Trump like it's some great honor. I've never seen such reverence for a president who lost an election. After Jimmy Carter lost in 1980, Democrats didn't want to get anywhere near him. You know, Thames, you might learn a little something from the Republicans. I don't know. <laughs> Just, you know, like make losers and outcasts from your party. Democrats act as though Trump's been defeated. Dems, I got news for you. He still runs the Republican Party. Nothing's changed. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Me, <laughs> That hasn't changed either. He's still not a doctor. Meanwhile, over on the Democratic side, speaking of things not changing, it's 2016 all over again. Bernie versus Hillary. With Congressman James Clyburn standing in for Hillary. We talked about this yesterday briefly with Monroe. They're having a special congressional election to fill the vacancy cause when Congresswoman Fudge took a job with President Biden. Nina Turner, who is one of the top aides, key strategists, Closest political allies to Bernie Sanders versus Chantel Brown, the moderate in the race. She's the, sort of the Bernie fill-in, and he's the anti-Bernie fill-in. And James Clyburn, Congressman Clyburn's coming to Ohio saying he's, they're too extreme in their rhetoric. And I know some Democrats, I won't name their names, some Dems, some Democrats of the Demish persuasion. They hiss when you mention Nina Turner's name. Psst. That's not really a hiss. That's more like a piss. <laughs> we'll clean that up on the All other right, Watch it now. 
By the way, did you see? Remember my stumble yesterday? I want to give a shout out to Doctor D. Were you paying attention to that? What was your stumble? Oh, you said shit about me, like a shit out instead of a shout out. He's give me a shit. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, we'll take that off the podcast. I mean, it's already up, and I didn't take it out. Oh, oops! Don't you hate when that happens? Uh. Anyway, they still hiss. You mentioned Nina Turner's name. They still blame Nina Turner for things she said in 2016 that they believe contributed to Hillary's loss, which means they still blame Nina Turner for Trump's win. Back in the old days when Dennis and I were working for a radio station whose name I cannot remember, I think it was WC later, uh, we used to have a joke. When we wanted to get calls, when we want people to call in the station, uh, it was that, what did Dennis call? Go to Blue 42. This oh, is yeah. my invitation. This is my invitation. By the way, Dennis was the master, the absolute master of getting people to call. He would go, like, I guess we would cancel. He would go, Ben, don't worry. I got it. Watch <laughs> this. Watch this. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. I was a rookie, man. It's so funny because I was the old guy. He was a young guy, but I was the rookie. He's like, watch this. <laughs> And then he would go, oh, that Hillary, what a douche, right? 773-222-5800. We're taking your calls. Oh, and then it's actually WCPT 820. They fired you. And the phone, 773-763-9278. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> and then the phones would light up. I love Hillary. I hate Bernie. I hate Hillary. I love Bernie. I'd be sitting back smoking a doobie. Yo, D, oh, what do we do, man? I don't know. Call Hillary a shithead and watch people just call up. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the good old days. Nothing's changed. Democrats still fighting. <laughs> this 2016 will never end. These, all these, they'll be in the senior citizen home. Happy days. Happy farms. 30 years from now, huh, it was Hillary's fault. No, it was Nina Turner. Another example, Democratic investigation into Trump. This time they think they got him. I'm not I was talking about it yesterday. They think they <laughs> They've indicted Alan Weisselberg, the chief financial officer for the Trump organization. This dude's been working for the Trump family forever. He started off with Daddy Trump. Who's a bookkeeper. He has to know every secret about the financial wheeling and dealings of Donald John Trump. He probably knows where all the bodies are buried. I wouldn't be surprised if he buried them. The feds, the prosecutors in New York, they're going to threaten him with some jail time. You know how it works. They'll squeeze him and hope we'll rat on Trump. Yeah, they're still trying to bring down Trump. I'm with you guys. I want to. I, I asked this of Monroe yesterday. What's more outrageous? Bill Cosby out of jail or Donald Trump never having been in jail? Definitely the latter. Anyway, lock him up. Remember that chant? Of course you do. They still say it at Trump rallies. And I still want them to do it to Trump because nothing's changed. We'll see if Trump wiggles out of this one like he's wiggled out of all the others, in which case it really will be. Nothing's changed. What else? What else? January 6th insurrection. I have something. I did something really dumb yesterday. Confession to make. I watched the 40 minute New York Times documentary about the January 6th insurrection. Uh, the New York Times put this thing together. And they dropped it yesterday and I shouldn't have watched it, folks, but I watched it. Uh, why do I say it was not a good idea to do it? Because 
it was one of the most depressing things I've seen. Uh, so obvious what went down. Trump fired up the true believers, sent them to the Capitol where they raised holy hell. They were smashing windows, windows and throwing fire extinguishers and hitting cops over the heads with hockey sticks. Hockey sticks, man. I still always gets me when I see the guy whacking the cop with the hockey stick. Talking about hanging Pence. It was all there. Everything we already knew. Republican Party doesn't want to talk about it. The Party of Law and Order doesn't want to talk about the lawlessness and disorder of its own members. That's because MAGA runs the Republican Party and MAGA still thinks that the uh, insurrectionists, the people with the hockey sticks whacking cops over the head, were just like tourists visiting the nation's capital. They want to talk about Black Lives Matter. Scared the hell out of white people. Speaking of things that never, ever change. Got to keep fighting, folks. Got to keep on it. This year is much the same as last year, because like I said, nothing's changed. We got a great show today, everybody. Alderwoman Sue Sadlowski Garza, the pride and joy of the 10th Ward, the pride and joy of the Southeast Side, the woman who makes it all possible on the labor front. is joining us. It's been a long, long time since Sue Sadlowski Garza has been on this show. But as they say on uh, her favorite 70s TV show, Welcome Back, Cotter. She's <laughs> Sue Sadlowski Garza absolutely loves Welcome Back, Cotter. It's her favorite show. Gabe Kaplan, she just she's got a Gabe Kaplan t-shirt on right now. Vinnie you know, Barbarino. What is that, young lady? Uh, Vinnie Barbarino on that show. Don't don't act like like it's a question you don't know. Don't act like you didn't just binge last night, Susanowski Garza, on three episodes. <laughs> don't act like you weren't listening to the John Sebastian sing. Welcome, Welcome back. back. <laughs> your dreams were your ticket out. Sue, it's been a long time since you've been on the show, but I see one thing hasn't changed. You still have that angelic singing voice. <laughs> Yes, I'll tell you. I, I Rawl tells me that every night while I sing him to bed, sing him to sleep. Well, I'm right. so happy to see you guys. Yes. Does, isn't Dennis a good looking guy? He is very good wow. looking. I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed in that front. Um, by the way, I'm going to do some promotion before we do this interview. Uh, the Reader is a fundraising effort. I put together some of my the greatest hits, articles I've written down through the years. They asked me to assemble them. Uh-oh. Hello? Uh-oh. Call coming in, phone call coming in. And uh, so the one of the articles I selected was my profile of Sue Sedlowski Garza from, I want to say it was 2016. I spent a lot of time hanging around with Sue in the 10th Ward in the Southeast Side. We had a blast doing that story. Uh, it was in the early days of her term as just a recently elected alderwoman. Uh, and uh, so anyway, I urge everybody to buy the book help the reader, but enjoy reading about uh, Sue Sedlowski Garza. Uh, Cause Sue, a lot has changed. We talked, my theme of today's show is uh, nothing's changed, uh, but kind of a lot has changed from those days. If let's think about for a moment, Ooh, you know, 2016, I, go ahead. I would go back to those days. If in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, if I could, um, why do you, why do you say that? Um, it just seems that, Compared to, it just seems like times were simpler. Um, you know, people were nicer. You know, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of things have happened in the past, you know, whatever, 15, 16 months that 
you know, people are, are really angry and disgruntled and I don't know. It just, it seems, it seems like it's a whole different world to me now back then. Well, let's go back uh, then. Since you mentioned it, there was a certain amount of, how do I put this? Just really like, uh, uh, righteousness in the air. When you ran in 2015, you were supported by the Chicago teachers union. Uh, you were wearing red. Karen Lewis was uh, championing your candidacy. You were running against a longtime incumbent, John Pope. People got it. You can't forget your history, ladies and gentlemen. This went down in 2015. Mm-hmm. All right. She was running against John Pope, who was supported by Rahm Emanuel, the all-powerful mayor of the city of Chicago. And Rahm Emanuel made no secret of how much he, A, wanted John Pope to be reelected and how much B he did not want Sue Sedlowski Garza uh, to be elected. And you eked out a victory over Pope in a runoff. It came down to like, my memory is like recount after how many votes, three recounts and 21 votes. So there was a lot of tension in the air. It was a lot of desperation in the air. There was a lot of like bullying, a word that we hear a lot these days in the air. You and your supporters were intimidated. They st- even after you won, they try to yeah. intimidate you. OK, so yeah. you still think that was a better time than today. Um, in a sense, I do. Um, it just it, 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 it seemed like things were so much simpler. I mean, we you know, people were fighting for for what was right and just and, you know, fighting for the common good. But I think just so many things have changed. I, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if things have changed. Things have been brought to light in the fact that I think people, I, and the kids always say people are woke, you know, now people are, are really, they're, they're not staying silent anymore, which is a good thing, right? It's a good thing. I just, I just wish people would, um, exude a little more kindness in their life. Um, and I, th- a lot of people have a lot of things to be angry about, so I can understand where that's coming from. It's just, it's difficult being an elected official from the get go, but it's even it become even more difficult in the times that we live in now. So is there, so when you look at the times that we live in now, do you ever look about how, when you were an outsider, demanding change and you go, Oh my God, I was unkind. Do you ever have that thought? Or do you think that what you did was legitimate when you were really angry and banging on the wall? I I've never, I have never been unkind. My husband might disagree with you, but disagree with me. I've never been unkind to anybody. And, um, I have a saying in my office, ABC, always be compassionate. Because I don't care if you come in the door because a squirrel is on your porch or a tree fell through your window, right? People are here for a reason. Always be compassionate. Um, I try really hard. There's times when I have to close the door and say some derogatory things in private to myself. But I'm never, I'm never, I'm never mean to anybody ever. Um, I try not to be anyway. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the things that people have been uh, mean to you. And folks, when I say this, uh, uh, I'm going to Sue and I had a conversation about a couple of weeks ago where she uh, just really opened up a lot. So I don't know how much she's going to open up now, but uh, I'm just going to start by saying uh, 
the Sadlowski in that name means something. Her uh, father is a long time, uh, may he rest in peace, great labor leader, a lefty like me on the southeast side of Chicago, uh, stood with Harold Washington. People forget history. They don't know history. Uh, and uh, so that Sadlowski name means something. The Garza name means something, too. A huge, her husband is a huge White Sox fan, but it doesn't have the same political ramifications of Sadlowski. Uh, and yet uh, Sue found herself on the other side of opposition to the general iron plant that was moving down uh, to her ward, the 10th ward, which is on the far southeast side. People said a whole lot of nasty things about mm-hmm. Sue Setlowski Garza. And I'm just going to say, youngsters out there, I know you disagreed with her on that issue. But that Setlowski name means something and you shouldn't just tarnish it. Like it's like like she's the same thing as Rahm Emanuel or Lori Lightfoot. Or whoever else is out, you know, or Richie Daly. So that's just me talking. So I had to get that off my. No, chest. that's Talk okay. I, I I'd love to I'd love to touch base. I'd love to uh, comment on that. So, you know, when in tw- when this all went down, this whole General Iron thing. First of all, I want to say I have mad respect for people that organize around a truth, right? And 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 they stick up for what's not right and unfair and unjust. I, I have mad respect for that. But what I don't have respect for is people that withhold information and only tell bits and pieces of a story to to push your agenda. And I voted no on Lincoln Yards. I voted no um, on anything that had to do with the Sterling Bay Initiative. I and what people don't know, even people that have been living in my ward for 60, 70 years, they didn't know that South Shore Recycling had been here for 29 years. So the narrative about, um, you know, they're moving from the north side, coming to the south side is not correct. Yes, RMG South Shore Recycling bought General Irons customers. Yes, they did. Yes, they have expanded their facility, but they've been here. They're Teamsters, local 731. Um, They've been here for 29 years. So it's not a new facility. Um, For me, we have to talk about recycling in a safe and an environmentally you know, friendly way. I think that's really important because I have nine landfills in my ward. I don't want to have another, I don't want to fill up a landfill with more scrap metal and all this other stuff. We make steel out of what they recycle. Um, And when folks showed up, we had a meeting with the, when I found out that this place was, you know, they were merging. The first people that I called were the environmental, was the environmental justice community. They, they came to my office. We had a meeting. I told them everything I knew. Um, we proceeded to meet with South Shore Recycle. We proceeded to meet the LabCon family was here. We, we met in my office. I had the environmental justice community at the table. I had NRDC at the table. Um, and the dialogue continued, you know, and we had a meeting on a Thursday and these folks showed up in front of my house on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And I went outside, I went out there. And first of all, nobody, not Sue Garza, not Rama, nobody, not Ben Javorski can stop a company from buying another company. That's a private sale. I, I can't stop that. That's a private sale. You can't, can't stop that from happening. I did not have to give a blessing or anything to allow them to merge with somebody because they were already an existing facility doing the same type of work. And the folks that were out in front of my house were 
were yelling and calling me a white supremacist. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm married to a Latino. My son-in-law's Korean. My nieces are black. I mean, my family looks like the United Nations, and I'm really proud of that. Um, so it's one of the younger kids, I think, and I, I'm not going to even uh, say the name because he doesn't deserve it. I think you had him on your show, but uh, he said, why won't you meet with the environmental justice community? I said, and I looked right at one of the women that was in my office on Thursday. I said, uh, Peggy, do you want to talk about the meeting we had on Thursday? They, they stood there silent. Like, you know, don't feed mistruths to people. Tell them the whole story and then let pe- let people make up their own mind. Let people become critical thinkers. Let them make up their own mind. And that's to me what is what really, really bothered me about the whole thing. They made me the scapegoat. Yeah. Well, uh, in my humble opinion, calling uh, uh, Sue Salowski Garza White uh, supremacist is absolutely ridiculous. But now I'm going to go back to the issue itself. Uh, and this is where I will disagree with you a little bit, maybe a, not, maybe a lot. Uh, this facility, so folks know, uh, yes, there was a facility. Uh, and okay. Let's just let's give a geography lesson, uh, Sue, to everybody in the city of Chicago. Uh, Sue Sedlowski Garza, the older woman from the 10th Ward, which is that portion of the city that curves underneath the lake and kisses Indiana. Like right down the street from Sue's house, you can go to the horseshoes. You go to the casino in uh, Indiana, go p- put some money, lose some money uh, playing the games. So that's how close that's that's how far away it is from the central Chicago and sort of a forgotten place in the city. Years for years and years and years. There were steel mills there. It was a thriving industrial. What's that? Nine steel mills. We had one hundred and thirty four thousand steel worker jobs in District 31. Yes, I knew she would know that because her old man, her old man was a steel union right. activist. Uh, so the steel, obviously, the steel industry has been hit hard. Uh, a lot of those factories have closed. So the big issue is what to do with the vacant land. It's also been the site of a lot of dumping down through the years, a lot of landmines. We've written up writing about that. Everyone knows about it. Mm-hmm. So in my humble opinion, the city of Chicago came to the conclusion that they wanted to move a shredding operation from the north side so they could free the north side for development, the aforementioned Lincoln Yards development that Sue just alluded to, which they were going to subsidize with a billion-dollar handout, a TIF handout, which Sue voted against, okay, because she knows I would have given her holy hell if she voted for it, but uh, she voted against it, and uh, the the facility merged with another existing facility on the south side in Sue's ward, and they, they built a, a bigger uh, shredding operation now. So hold on. The shredder yeah. has they've been shredding here for 29 years. Shredder was never enclosed. There was no environmental controls, no nothing. Now, here's the oxymoron about what's happening here is that now the sh- they're not operating because the city delayed the permit, whatever. But. Now we have environmental controls that don't exist anywhere for like 800 miles. We have a shredder that's enclosed, never was before. Um, We are allowing Sims Metal to shred stoves, cars, refrigerators right now as we speak in the 22nd Ward, or no, 2025. I don't know, Byron, uh, Alderman Sigcho Lopez's Ward. 25th. 25. 
They're shredding right now as we speak with zero environmental controls, nothing. They're shredding it now right next across the street from a home right across the street. And no one's saying anything. What are we doing? If we're going to shut them down, shut them all down. I mean, I'm serious. If, if we want to do something to really make the environment better, shut them all down. <laughs> well, that's a thought. And that's a possibility. Uh, in my humble opinion, uh, Mayor Rahm's administration decided that they didn't want to shut it down. They wanted to keep that business whole. Uh, and so they essentially were moving heaven and earth to clear it out of the north side where it had been uh, subject of many complaints uh, from residents on the north side and hasten the development of Lincoln Yards, that area uh, the actual shredder will not be on the Lincoln Yards footprint, but it's right across the Chicago River. So it's part of the larger developmental scheme that right. the city has where they convert what had been an industrial area on the north side into a residential commercial area, uh, con- continuing the gentrification of the city, subsidizing the gentrification gentrification of the city and that means moving existing facilities to the south side they did it with uh sue they did it with a fleet facility where they keep the dump trucks they uh, the garbage trucks they didn't move that to your ward they moved that to uh rod sawyer's six ward and every time they did it sue they would flip it with the pr like well we're not really moving it out of the north side so that uh, richer guys can get even richer than they already are with our subsidies what we're doing is we're moving it to the south side because we love the south side so much and we want to bring jobs there and we yes yeah 100 percent. it is political spin you're absolutely right um, and, you know, for for me, the thing that I my ward is is very unique in the fact that I have the International Port Authority here that runs from 92nd all the way to 137th Federal Waterway. I, my river is an is a re, is a true working river like I it'll never be the river walk. Almost over 7000 people work along the river. It leads to the St. Lawrence Seaway. It leads, you know, it leads to the to the Great Lakes, the oceans. We have ships here all the time that are from Poland and Sweden and you know, we are a true working river and it's never going to be I, and I'm not I am not ashamed to say it's never going to be the river walk. Do we deserve nice things do we deserve parks and green spaces absolutely 150 million percent but i'm not going to sit here and say oh we're, we have to change a federal waterway and eradicate all the jobs along our river because that would be ford employs almost seven thousand people itself and that doesn't even include the other whatever 7200 maybe even more now because we have a new development that's coming at the old republic steel site but, um, you know, that's a lot of jobs. I mean, our ward, the 10th ward built the city of Chicago. Literally, we we made the steel that built the Sears Tower and the Aon building and the Prudential. And it came out of our ward. And I'm proud of that. Some of the most hardest working, humblest people you will ever meet come from the 10th ward. And I, I'll stand by that hook, line and sinker. And, and every single time. I'm out or I have a community meeting or we do a poll or a survey. Or when I talk to people, what's your number one priority jobs, we need jobs because we lost all those jobs and the residual effect after the mills closed, then, you know, so did the the stores and the shoe stores and the bars and restaurants. We lost all that. We were left with just a shell and a bunch of brownfields, you know, who in the heck, 
who, who in the hell, you tell me one other place in the city of Chicago that has 480 acres of undeveloped lakefront, lakefront property that is sitting idle. That's bigger than the loop. No. And then when we, uh, we were doing the story in 2016, we we're doing the drive through uh, going uh, around the ward. We were talking uh, obsessively about that undeveloped land and w- how it should be developed. And it's like, if you just took everything away, just took location away, took the reputation of the Southeast side for uh, being a factory or an industrial area uh, and took away the image of Lincoln Park as the upscale community uh, where rich people live. There's no difference between the land in the 10th Ward and the land in Lincoln Park. It's on the lake, people. It's the same freaking lake. One is on the south side. The other's on the north side. And so what with this what like people who care about the city are wrestling with is the issue of, Sue, do you develop it residentially? Do you try to head in that Lincoln Park direction or do you try to maintain the industrial base so that people have jobs? If you are going to develop it residentially, are you going to have a mixed community so that you're not displacing working right. people? Or are you going to try to really hit pay dirt and go for upscale gentrification like a la Lincoln Park and turn the south side into the north side? And and this is the debate that's going on. In the meantime, it's like market forces exist to that are greater than our control. Developers who say they're going to come develop it, they go bankrupt, they change their mind, the subsidy isn't there, the deal dies. You read about it in cranes one day, like it's a done deal, then you and read then about it in nothing. cranes. And, the, and yeah, nothing will happen. And you know, you know, the most ironic thing about it is that um, if we, if the city would have said, we're going to give you one, bil- a developer, $1 billion in TIF money to develop U.S. sale property, nobody would have batted an eye because it's a blighted community. There's nothing happening here. You really want to make a change, right? If we would have did a Lincoln Yards on the southeast side, I would have voted yes because that's what a true blighted community really is. But the, the, the thing about U.S. Steel that most folks don't know is that, you know, it's not about I'm making this up. If the asking price, if they got $68 million for the 480 acres, it's not about the, the sale of the property. It's about the lack of infrastructure. And from what I'm being told, folks that work in department of planning, there's no streets, there's no sewers, there's no, there's no lights. There's, and there's 22 feet of slag. Like you can't to it, to be able to put sewers and streets, it's going to cost almost a billion dollars to develop just the infrastructure there. So it's not just about buying the property. It's about putting all that infrastructure in because it sewers don't even exist over there. Steelworkers Park is the only place in the whole city of Chicago that has zero light pollution. You can see Venus. We've had the planetarium out there. There's no lights because there's no light. There's no, there's no electricity out there. There's no bathroom at the park there, you know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it would be a huge investment, a lot of money before we leave this one completely. So in your humble opinion, yes, if they, 
uh, allowed uh, General Iron to completely merge with the existing com- company in your ward and f- have the full operation. Uh, are you confident with the plans and the, that they have set up that it would protect uh, people in the area from pollution? Or do you think more work needs to be done to guarantee the safety of folks in the 10th ward? So I, I think on paper, on paper, their plan looks good. But what the onus falls on the city of Chicago to enforce what we've put into place. Right. And I'm really proud of, of the work that we've done. Um, we, we passed an air quality ordinance that came straight, straight from the environmental justice community, the folks that we've been working with for six years, some of the ideas, um, that they gave us, you know, there has to be a traffic study. There has to be increased fines. There has to be, you have to have air monitors. You, we banned implosions. We banned, you know, um, incinerators, we banned mining, all these things that we've, we've put into place are some of the strongest and stringent, stringent rules in the nation. And I'm really proud of that, but it really doesn't mean anything if we don't have somebody that's going to inspect and enforce. Right. So, and we run into that a lot with um, trying to get people to come out and, and, and investigate um, an issue that we have um, just because there's not enough people to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I know the city of Chicago pulled back, uh, has pulled back on the issue of environmental oversight over the last five or six years. Rom got rid of the, right. the, the department altogether, but it just wasn't on his radar. And uh, Lori Lightfoot hasn't uh, completely brought it back. And so, yeah, there's, there's just the notion of moving something to the north side, to the south side. So, you know, so that. Millions can be made in development in the north side really rubs me the wrong way. I got just got to say, I just, it rubs me the wrong way. It just seems like the way we've got done things in the city for so long. And I, and I understand people and I totally understand people's frustration and anger around that, especially in the 10th ward. I mean, I've lived here my whole life. My grandkids live here, my children, some of my children live here. Some of them don't, but you know, I, I would never do anything to, to hurt people that live here. I live here too. You know, I, I would never do anything to, to do to hurt anyone. I, I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old granddaughter that mean the world to me that live right on 111th, you know, an F. I would, I look out for that every single day. Um, again, <clears throat> it's nobody even knew the facility was here for 29 years. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> boom, no, the southeast side is a trip. Nobody knows anything about the southeast side. No, oh, I, love right. it. I had, 100%. I had, I had so much fun with this one when uh, Columbus statue thing uh, was a big <laughs> uh, showdown, and and Mayor Life got rid of the Columbus statue, yeah, uh, which was in the where was that in the South Loop? Uh, it was a site of confrontation between protesters and cops. I'm like. You know, there's a Columbus statue in the southeast side. Yes, yes. Nobody wanted to go down there. It's too far away. Hundred uh, percent. No one knew. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing: they knew after they put it in the paper. But you know, I mean, I, it, I was thinking the same thing. And you know, it's in this nice little roundabout with a circle. And and I made a call. I'm like, get it down, take it out of here. So they did. Uh, that phone call in the background is Lori, Mayor Lori Life for calling Sue. How come you're not calling me back? <laughs> just kidding. That's I don't know what what that phone is. All right, uh, since I uh, the bat phone, uh, baby. The bat phone. Let's uh, let's talk about um, your position as chair mm-hmm. of the Labor Committee and the City Council. I know you're really proud 
of some of the things you've accomplished. So take a moment uh, to um, to celebrate those successes uh, well, before I start asking the hard questions. Go ahead. Yeah. So I am really, I was humbled when I was asked to be chairman of workforce development. And I, this is going to sound very like I'm full of myself, but there's nobody in city council that knows labor like me. Nobody, not one single person. Um, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, there just isn't. And I, I find it really um, ironic that for the four years that I sat in city council, nobody, literally nobody asked me for the time of day. And now when labor issues come up or something comes across, I have all kind of people calling me that I, some of my colleagues are calling me, what about this? What do you think about that? What do we think about that? So I, I feel like I've earned my chops and people respect me for my knowledge and for my past and what I know. But a lot of the ordinances, a lot of the things that we passed out of workforce, um, we passed, uh, we just passed a hotel right to return ordinance that um, will enable people that work for the hotel industry to be able to get their jobs back. And, you know, that might sound like, well, there's a lot of union hotels. They have seniority lists. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you're a 50 year old woman and you've been working at, at the W for 20 years, 25 years, you know, maybe the hotels might not want to call you back because you're at the top of the pay scale. Right. So now they have to, they have to go, even if you're non-union, they have to call back in order of seniority, which I think is a huge win. Right. Cause those jobs mainly are held by black and brown women. So um, we passed that. We raised the minimum wage two years ahead of the state. That was huge. That just went into effect today. July 1st, actually. Um, we passed Fair Work Week that actually gives workers the right to a schedule, right? And now it's like if I go to work at a restaurant and they say, oh, I'm sorry, you don't have any tables today, go home, which you don't have a stable paycheck. You don't, you know, you pay for childcare, you take transportation to your job, and then you get there and you're there for two hours, you go home. Now they have to pay you for your time and the time that you were scheduled to work, they have to pay you for that. So now you have a stable paycheck. Um, we passed an anti-retaliation ordinance against COVID. If you're sick or you need a vaccine, your employer cannot retaliate against you if you have to take off or go get, you know, a shot or something like that. We got the um, airport, the transporters, we got them out of the tipped wage category. And I, I didn't even know that this was happening. And well, I found out it was happening in like 2017. And a lot of the stuff that we tried to pass, we never even got off the ground. It was killed before we could even do anything under ROM. And um, we got the airport transporters. We got it. We brought them up to minimum wage because they were working for like six bucks an hour. And, you know, you got grandma at the United terminal and you're pushing somebody for three miles and they weren't allowed to solicit tips under F the FAA guidelines. So these folks were making literally $6 and 10 cents an hour. I, mm. It's crazy. We brought domestic workers, up to the minimum wage category. We passed an anti-wage theft ordinance. So, you know what, I'm, I'm kicking ass and taking names. Um, my workforce staff, as well as the staff in my office is probably the most educated staff in the whole city. Um, I'm very proud of the work that we're doing. I really am. And we're making a difference in the lives of many, many workers. And in, in these instances, was there strong opposition from the business community or corporate Chicago to these initiatives? Yes, there, there was, there was a lot of, a lot of opposition, but let me tell you why, how I do things differently. Um, I believe 
that any single, and I think I learned this from, you know, being part of the teachers union and negotiating contracts and stuff like that. But I think that any piece of legislation that comes through my committee, you get a seat at the table and we talk about it and, you know, you push, you pull, you push, you pull, but that's democracy. Everyone gets a voice. I don't believe in jamming anything down people's throats. I don't care if you're the hotel industry. I had to sit across the table from Walmart and, and talk about fair work week and the hospital association and people telling me like, my workers don't want to schedule. They want to be, I'm like, they don't want to make extra money. They want to be able to go and go. I'm like, but really, I, my staff kicked me under the table a lot. <laughs> so, but I, they people deserve a voice regardless of what side you're on. So, I actually agree with you on that point. I uh, I always say my show goes from uh, uh, Joe Biden on the right uh, to the Green Party on the left, and I try to bring people in. I don't think we're usually go. Nick Spazzato is the only guy on my, who's ever been on my show, and that's because I've known Nick forever and. Just, I, I like the guy, even though we have so many political, to, to, but he's the only guy who's been right of Joe Biden. I think ever on my show, uh, Raylo, Raylo comes on the show all the time too. Sue, he may be right of Biden, but he kind of covers that up. Tries, well, ben, no, I'm a Democrat. Uh, Raylo, you all, we all know you voted for Trump. Who are you kidding? Um, so I, I'm glad you have that, uh, that, uh, attitude. I, I gotta tell you folks, I'm going to tell you the, I think the last time I saw Sue was uh, right after Lori Lightfoot was sworn in and we were outside uh, the, oh. <laughs> the basketball arena, which our tax Trust arena, $18 million yeah. in TIFF built that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, we're, well, something good came out of it. Uh, there's, you know, like we got to watch the Lori Lightfoot give a speech in that arena. Anyway, uh, and uh, she came up and gave me this huge hug. She goes, can you believe I'm chair of the labor committee? You know, whatever the full name of it is. And I was like, all right, Susan Lowski guards a badass. This, that, and the other thing. So I gave credit to Lori Lightfoot. In the bizarre world of Chicago politics, the mayor has a say, a huge say, and who gets to chair the uh, city council committees. I don't think that should be the way it is. I think the city council, independent of the mayor, should name its own committees. But, Sue, you know Chicago, and the mayor had a say. So she had to approve it, and I thought it was a good sign uh, that Mayor Lawyer Lightfoot approved. uh, proved you. So that was like in the early days when I was really feeling uh, Mayor Lori Life. Not feeling her that much these days, Sue Sadlowski Garza. I'm just going to confess that right now, get your response. In particular, uh, the last week or so, what she did uh, to uh, a dear friend of the show, Alder Woman Jeanette Taylor, was inexcusable, in my humble opinion. Across the line to come down off the rostrum of the city council, walk up to Jeanette Taylor's face and put your finger in it. She just, just, just deserves more respect than that. And so these I've gone from one extreme to the other with Lori Lightfoot from that day when I saw you and we hugged outside uh, that Wintrust Arena. What's your position on Lori Lightfoot these days, Susanowski Garza? So, look, I, I'm 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 very humbled that I that I'm put into this position. And I, I will tell you, the city council is <clears throat> supposed to pick the chairs. It's not supposed to come in the bylaws, say that the council is supposed to pick the chairs, but that doesn't happen in the weird, bizarro world of Chicago politics. Um, Look, I I think that for me, um, she 
she's in a really crazy position right now. Right. I mean, I think that, and I, you know, I do agree with you about coming down off the diocese coming down. Absolutely should have never happened, never happened. And I, I would hope that she, her and Alderman Taylor have spoke. I don't know if they have or not. Um, that's, that's the truth. Um, I know on the South side of Chicago, you get in somebody's face and nose to nose. I, I think Alderman Taylor showed a lot of restraint. I really do. <clears throat> I don't know if I would have been able to do the same. And, and that's the truth. Um, my first thing is when someone gets on me like that is I push back. You know what I mean? I don't walk away. I, I walk towards the fight. I, so I, I, she showed a lot of restraint and for the, I, and I've told um, Alderman Taylor that I, that she showed a lot of restraint. That should have never happened. Absolutely not in any way, shape or form. Um, I, Ram would summon me in the back and put me in the closet and chew me out. Um, I think that the past two years have been very difficult for a lot of us. And I think for me anyway, it just, it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. I mean, it's just one thing after another, after another. And this, this is not a sustainable lifestyle for, I think any one of us. Um, I think she's trying to do her best. I really do. I, I really think that the woman really cares about the city of Chicago. I just think that I, I wish she would relinquish some, I don't even know, like maybe the control part of it. Um, I wish that um, in a perfect world, there would be better conversations and better communication. Do you think that the, your ability to get different people with different perspectives into the same room and talking. Uh, Could you do that in the case of Lori Lightfoot and Jeanette Taylor, or do they just not want you involved? I'm I'm not touching. I am not touching that, not touching that. If it's one thing that I've learned in, in the past two years is that I cannot, no, I will not try to be a mediator anymore for, for anybody in a position. I, I, I tried that with certain entities and it didn't get me anywhere. Mm. Um, I was the one I was in the middle then. And it's really, it's not my thing. It's not my fight. It, it really isn't. It's like, I, I feel, well, then you say, you know, an injury to one is an injury to all. Right. Um, I'm just trying to do the right thing every single day. Um, and you know, people have to, in a perfect world, we should all be running the city together. Really? You know, we talked about, you know, Oh, the, the, the paper today said, Oh, she's losing her power and you know, all this other stuff. But I think that like, you know, you and I talked about this, what, what did we ever get? What did the working class people ever get from a, from a mayor that, Frickens is a strong ass mayor running the show. What did that get us? Why can't I, in a perfect world? And maybe this is my fantasy. We would all be running the city together collaboratively. Cause you know what, in the time of crisis, that's what good leaders do. They come together in the time of crisis, they stand shoulder to shoulder and they get their people out of the crisis. That's what good leaders do. Right. 
Yeah, uh, the article that uh, Sue was alluding to was in today's bright one, Chicago Sun-Times, home delivered as always, uh, power outage by Fran Spielman. It's an analysis of uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's position. Uh, Why are we talking to Pat O'Connor? I, <laughs> Why? Why in God's name did freaking Fran Spielman go to Pat O'Connor? What? <laughs> Stole the words right out of my mouth, Susanlowski Garza. A, a, a main source in this article is a, a man named Pat O'Connor for years and years and years, the Ottoman of the 40th War, until Andre Vasquez whooped him in the 2019 election. It was a runoff. Uh, Andre beat Pat O'Connor. Pat O'Connor was the floor leader for Mayor Daley and Mayor Rahm, and as such was the engineer and city council passage of some of the stupidest legislation ever passed in the city of Chicago. Exhibit A, if you need one, the parking meter deal yep okay skyway, that was the sale a, of the skyway yes the sale of the sky which would now cost five five dollars and eighty cents five dot one way trip one way and wow. it goes here's the thing it goes right into the pockets of a company in australia yeah so, no that that way and you know what the funny thing is i now we're in a tangent with a tangent uh but the sale of the Skyway, this is how dumb people in Chicago can be. This is me, not Sue. So don't blame Sue for this. This is how dumb people in the city of Chicago are. And this is how Mayor Daly's uh, strategist figured it. They go, if we tell the people of Chicago that we're selling a public entity for, and they just say like a billion dollars, they're so dumb. They'll see a billion dollars. Wow, that's a lot of money, man. What a great deal. And you dummies don't realize that, that billion dollars disappears like in a heartbeat with all the ongoing expenses it takes to operate a city. And furthermore, you're going to be paying out of your pocket because the private entity that now owns the Skyway wants to make money. Yeah. And how about this one? We sold the parking meters, right? Yeah. And now every time we have a parade or taste of Chicago or some kind of festival, and if there's parking meters on that street, we, the city of Chicago, the ta taxpayers, Dennis, Ben and Sue are paying <laughs> the parking meter people to use the street. Yeah. So we're adding insult to injury. So we not only did we sell them, we're still paying them to use the street because they're not making revenue when we block off a street. What? It was a terrible deal. And oh, uh, Pat O'Connor was the quarterback for the mayor and passing it. So why anybody would go to him for a quote on the current situation? I don't know, because he's maybe nobody he's because nobody will answer the phone for France Bailman. Just saying. Okay, that got me quiet for a moment. All right, uh, <laughs> there's another quote in the story, and I'll I'll uh, begin it by this. This show is sponsored by unions. I am a member of a union. When I got fired at the radio station, unions stood by me, very loyal. Okay, so I got a strong affinity for unions particularly the Chicago Teachers Union, which is one of the sponsors of the show. My mother was a member of the Chicago Teachers Union for 40 odd years. She went on many picket lines, Sue Sadlowski Garza. And so I'm, that's where I come from. So I'm just so sick of the demonization of the Chicago. I know Jesse and Stacy can get under people's nerves and I don't agree with everything they do. 
You know, I mean, we have fun making fun of Jesse with that little clip at the opening of the show that we do where, where you're standing on the corner. And the, but why demonize the Chicago Teachers Union? Why? Why is that this become such a tool when the teachers stand up for some like right now we have nurses on strike in the city of Chicago or they just settled maybe. But yeah. uh, SEIU local one or 73 is on strike. 73 is on strike. And with uh, Tony Preckwinkle, I don't see SEIU 73 being demonized. You know, I, why is this? And you were a member of the Chicago teachers union, Susan Garza. You were a key person in the 2011 strike. That's why Karen Lewis got to know you. Yeah. Became allies with you. So what's going on here with the demonization, in your humble opinion, of the Chicago Teachers Union? Um, so, look, I think that, you know, the Teachers Union has done a really good job of engaging um, not just teachers. Right. I mean, one of the things we've always had the backing of the public because we teach your kids. Right. We're we, we take care of your kids for seven hours a day. Um, but I think, you know, <laughs> everyone deserves to bargain for the common good. And especially if it's, if, if it's issues that affect you in your workplace, I mean, that's what we're all about. Why is it different that when teachers say, Hey, it shouldn't be 105 in my classroom. Well, I mean, I don't know why people are demonizing. Um, I think, I don't know. I really, I have no idea what the theory is behind that, but it's not, it's not right. I don't think it's, I don't think it's justified. I mean, teachers are the, is a teacher is the most important job. It's, it's that job teaches every other job because when you learn your craft, when you learn your trade, and I don't care if you're a teamster or a teacher or an apple picker, a teacher teaches you how to do it. Right. So I don't know. I, I have no idea why, why they're demonized. I think it's, I, I, I hate the fact that um, everything is played out in the press. Um, one of the things when Karen, you know, Barbara Bird Bennett, remember her? Yeah. yeah. Remember Barbara Bird. Yeah. B3. Karen, Karen and Barbara, you know, didn't always see eye to eye, but you know, they went to dinner once a month. They talked about what was ha- going to happen. And I, I don't, we don't have that same kind of relationship anymore with CPS. Um, it, it's just, everything is a fight and it shouldn't be, it should not be a fight. I mean, teachers got won their right to bargain, uh, uh, you know, against class size and, and working conditions. We won that back. And I think that's, that's, that's rightfully that should, they should have that right. Yeah, no, that last strike I found baffling, and I'll tell you why. Oh, the, th- the things that the teachers were standing for are things that the general public wants, like more nurses, more social workers, et cetera, mm-hmm. and so forth. And it just seemed to me such an easy victory uh, just for the mayor and uh, to hire more nurses. Who's against hiring nurses? I just, you know, and I still don't understand uh, the vitriol in that strike uh, and, and the fact that, uh, well, I guess I, I guess it's just an ongoing power struggle in the city of Chicago. I began by saying nothing changes in the city of Chicago. Uh, and uh, that's one example of it, by the way, uh, just for, just tell folks, just share this one memory. It's in the story uh, that I wrote about you. Uh, so Lori Lightfoot was not the first mayor of the city of Chicago, who was a jerk to put it you know mildly to Alderman. Uh, Rahm Emanuel may have been the king of the jerks. Uh, 
That's a good band name. <laughs> King, King of the, of the Jerks. jerks. Live in person, King of the Jerks. I think the uh, actually the last time I saw you, we were watching a cover band for the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. That was pre- I, oh my goodness, that, that, that was, was a long time ago. That was a long time ago, but it was, I think that was after it was sworn in. Uh, it was a friend of yours. Was Mo Maureen? No, the lead singer. The lead singer oh, in the band. Yeah, yeah the guy. The, yes, yeah, yeah. Ken, um, uh, Phil, and Gotti. Yeah, that dude, can, he sounds like Mick Jagger when he gets going. Anyway, uh, we're not a king of the jerks. But Ron was king of the jerks. So Sue finally defeats, oh boy, Pope, Ron's guy in the 10th Ward. And so the grand mayor, this is what they do, the powerful mayor, calls the lowly alder woman, uh, the rookie, into his office and uh, lays down the law. And uh, is this is why I call Ron King. King of the jerks. How did that? What, what was the law that he laid down to you, uh, Sue? So I was summoned. It was two weeks in and I was summoned to the fifth floor and it was me, Rom. I was by myself and he had, uh, I think it was Sean Rapalier was there. His one of his people. And we sat down on this couch and I was kind of looking around like, Holy shit, this is, this is an office. Right. <laughs> And I mean, really like leather couches, just whatever, everything that you think a mayor's office would be, that's what it was. Anyway, I sat down and he said, I want to get one thing straight with you. And he pointed his finger at me. I don't want a circus. And I said, I'm not a clown. (laughs) I, I want to make the 10th word better. That's why I'm here. And, you know, <laughs> shit, he thought I was going to be a circus. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. Rob, I mean, whew. you know, and that see, that just goes to shit. And this is where I'm going to make a concession to Lori Lightfoot. So prepare for this. Sue Sadlowski guards. I've been hard on the mayor the last couple of days. She went after Jeanette Taylor and it was inappropriate. And I'm a big fan of Jeanette Taylor. I just even if I wasn't a fan of Jeanette Taylor, I thought it would be inappropriate. But it was compounded by the fact that I am a fan of Jeanette Taylor, JT, as we call her. Uh, but I will say this. I've been reflecting upon Lori Lightfoot's comment. And uh, that she made on Channel 11 the other night where she said, and I'm paraphrasing, that they didn't care so much about boorish behavior, jerky behavior by mayors when it was white mayors, white men. And um, part of me wants to uh, fight back against that because her uh, boorish behavior, rude behavior was to a black woman, Jeanette Taylor, who is championing the rights of another black woman and Jeanette Young. But I think I must concede, Mayor, Madam Mayor, you have a point. The city of Chicago, when it came to Richie Daly being a bully and Rahm Emanuel being a bully, to a large degree, Sue Salowski Garza, the attitude was, you need a tough mayor to run a tough city. So if he has to knock some people around and be a total idiot and jerk to them, that's how you run a city. And I, I never bought into that. Sue Salowski Garza, Rob could have ushered you into his office and said, congratulations, you beat me. But now we're partners. What can I do to help you in the tenth war? You know what I mean. He didn't have to sit there and be like the like the the dude in uh, Goodfellas to Joe Pesci. What, I'm a no. clown. You think I'm a clown? You know what I'm saying? No, hundred percent. And it goes right back to what I said earlier. Like you know what? 
we should all be running this city together. I mean, it, it shouldn't just be one person. And I mean, yes, the mayor of the, of the city of Chicago gets to make decisions hundred percent. And, you know, aldermen get to make decisions too. I mean, I don't, I don't call my, I don't call 56,000 people every day to say, Hey, is it okay if I trim this tree or, you know, we get to make decisions because that's what we're elected to do. But, you know, I don't buy into the fact that you have to be, a strong, you know, a bully or be rude or shitty to people to run a city or be a leader. That's, that's, that's not what a leader is. You know, I, I, I don't, that's not my definition of a leader. It isn't. Um, again, we should be doing this together, good leaders in the time of crisis. And God knows we, we've been in, in, in a crisis for what, 17 months now. Yeah. Pandemic, civil unrest, I mean, violence out of control. It's just, you know. Oh, by the way, I, I, I told you I would ask you about this. Uh, when Rayla was on the show last week, you, when you start talking about civil unrest and violence, uh, he announced that his uh, proposal would be to uh, pass an ordinance that would hold parents accountable for the behavior of their children. If their children got in trouble, you, the parents would either be fined, punished yeah. somehow or other, or sent uh, to parenting school. Uh, I personally disagree with that proposal uh and we had a mini debate on when he's on the show whenever that was what's your thoughts on it no i don't agree with that at all and there's studies that have been done that that first of all that doesn't work um you know we have to make sure that we give going right back to the schools we have to make sure that kids and parents alike have the resources that they need right i mean i'll give you a perfect example when i was a, a counselor at the at jane adams i had an a seventh grader that was pregnant and um, she had the baby and by eighth grade, she was pregnant with number two and the mom had allowed the boyfriend to move into the house while the kid was in seventh grade. I mean, she was 12, you know, it's, here's the thing. So what am I going to do? Find the mother or throw her in jail? Because I mean, that's, that's crazy. We need to give people resources and the tools they need to be better parents and, and to be, you know, to be more, to be productive. Cause here's the thing. A lot of, a lot of people don't know what's out there. They don't know what resources exist. They don't know where they could ask for help. They, or there's a stigma behind mental health or the mom's a drug addict and dad's not, it's in the picture. The kid doesn't have, that's not the kid's fault. I mean, and you know, a lot of kids, a lot of kids fall through the cracks because I was one counselor with 894 kids me, one person. I did not have an aide. I did not have a secretary. I did not have anything. I was like a triage nurse, like running from thing to thing. I was in inner city school on the South side of Chicago, trying to just manage. I mean, it, it's ludicrous. And, and we cannot blame. I always say there's no such thing as a bad kid. It's kids that just weren't given a chance. And that's the truth. And I've seen kids turn around. You give kids a chance and the ability and the tools that they need to be better, they'll take it and they'll run and they'll wind up being iron workers or radio show hosts or, you know, something. Just, but everybody deserves a chance. You can't start fining people and, oh, you're, you're, it's a bad, you're a bad kid. Here's $1,500 fine. And you don't even, you're not even putting food on your table. 
I don't know how some of these kids as an adult, some of the things, the adversities and the, and the things that these kids face every day, I don't even know how some of them show up to school because as an adult, it's difficult to face the things that these kids are facing. And that's what we have to look at and, and make sure systemically we give kids every opportunity and parents alike because if we you can't just treat a kid you got to treat the whole family the whole nucleus right and that's that's including neighborhoods just think about that was a great riff by the way sue just think about that was really good uh but just think about what she said uh 194 kids and she was uh, the counselor 194 kids i was very fortunate i went to 100 894 800 oh my god that's even worse kids. wow and me and the, and, social and, worker yeah. was, the social worker was only there two days a week. And it was, it was one, actually really one and a half days. So give me a break. I'm going to go political on you folks. The teachers went on strike for more nurses and more social workers and more counselors. And they were called selfish and told to shut up, take the money and go back to the classroom. There's something wrong with the mentality of a city where you have people fighting to change a situation where one counselor has 894 kids. Sue, when I was at Evanston High School, I remember my counsel, counselor, Mrs. Brown, so well. I don't know how many kids she had. She had a lot of time to spend. <laughs> help little Benny get out of high school because I was struggling. <laughs> That was a full-time job. Don't worry, we'll get you through chemistry. <laughs> she probably called that chemistry teacher and go, let's just pass this kid. Otherwise, he'll be here forever. Get him out of here. <laughs> and so, you know, Nobody I got goes into education yeah. to get rich. Trust me. Nobody. The average pension of a teacher is like $41,000 after 34 years of teaching. I mean, you know, it's crazy. It's just, it's absolutely crazy to me. We need to put a bigger value on, on what teachers do and what educators do, because without them, if we don't, we we're nothing. Our society, we're nothing without, without teachers. We're nothing. All right. So we're going to close it down. I got two things I want to ask you. Number one, uh, you started off by saying that things have changed for the worse. Has it gotten to the point where you don't want to run for re-election, or will you run for re-election? Um, as of today, July first, I'm running for re-election. But you know, I I think that two years, I still have what twenty two months, fifteen hours, and twenty two minutes <laughs> left to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I I don't know what two years is going to bring. I mean, you know, here's the thing, I. I, I, at the end of this term, I would have been fighting a good fight for 31 years. So, you know, um, I love this ward and I, I'm not done yet. Everything that, that we've, all the little things that we've done and all the little seeds that we've planted are starting to come to fruition. And I'm really proud of that. So I'm not done yet. Yeah. Okay. That's good to hear. Uh, and, uh, following, uh, following, uh, finally, <laughs> I'll ask you this, making a talk. Uh, so one of the great, uh, exchanges that Sue Sadlowski Garza and I had, uh, back when I was doing the story had to do with disco. 
And it's an ever-changing thing with Sue Sadlowski Garza in disco. Uh, and she just, she hates it when I say this, but which is why I enjoy saying it so much. Back in 1979, Sue was one of those hoodlums running around Comiskey Park uh, for disco demolition. She was a young rock and roller and she hated disco. Back in 1979, I love disco. And uh, so, <laughs> so, Sue, I know you watched the Bee Gees documentary. Oh, my God. Fantastic. And you've seen the light when it comes to disco. Am I correct yes, on that I, one? I have seen the light. Actually, I saw the light about 1982 okay. when I started going, when I found out that like going to the disco was like really a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but in, in my dorm room at Western Illinois University, I had a sign on my door and that was the first, that was the year Saturday Night Fever came out. And, you know, everybody on the floor on my dorm, in the dorm I lived in, would be blasting, you know, uh, staying alive in the Bee Gees. And I had a sign on my door, disco sucks, kill the Bee Gees. And yes, I was at disco demolition and, uh, you know, I was part of history. My brother was running around the bases with his, his t-shirt off on fire. So what a thing, but yes, I, I loved, I love the Bee Gees. I think, you know, I love Gloria Gaynor. I yeah, I like it all now. All right, that's good to hear. I'll be teasing Sue about this for like the next forty years or so. Sue, remember when you didn't like disco? Uh, in fact, we were driving around doing that. Uh, I remember this when we were dri- driving around doing that story. Going uh, and Michelle was in the back, the photographer who was a totally cool person. Uh, and uh, I think a beachy song came on the radio we cranked it up man yep <laughs> we were having a good time good stuff that documentary is really good by the way it's excellent yes it's excellent and they get into disco demolition and they yep. show it in a new light it's not a very good light let's just put it that um, way see uh, doll insane coho lips that was the name that was like his like we were this, in, i don't know why i thought of that right now Insane coho lips were was his like tag or something. Yeah, uh, no, no, the mind took you back to the Steve Doll, the disc jockey. Whatever uh, happened to that guy? I pff, do not. I was uh, confession here. I was not a Steve Doll fan. I mean, I know he's really talented at what he does, and having done this now for four years, I realize how difficult it is just to talk and make all these transitions. So, got a lot of respect for Steve Doll's ability to do it, but I just am not a fan of his. So, I have no idea what he's doing and. Uh, and I was on the opposite side of, I, I love disco. I hated disco demolition. So you, <laughs> I mean, I was on the opposite side. If you think of that though, I mean, I don't know why Bill Vec like allowed that to even happen. Well, I, I know why his son talked to me. Marketing. He, he wanted marketing, he wanted people in the stands. Uh, it's always oh, a struggle. He got That's people all. in the stand. He got people scaling the walls and oh, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. Not a white sock fan among them. Just a bunch of drunken hippies. <laughs> Isn't that every Sox game? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. Some truth to that. I, that's not, I love, love my beloved Chicago white Sox. They were victorious last night. Uh, all right. Sue Sadlowski Garza. Thank you so much. It's been too long. We'll bring you back uh, more frequently. It's a blast talking to you. All right. Hey, wonderful to talk to you, Ben. I, you know, I miss you very much. And Dennis, thanks for all you do. All right. Very good. That's uh, Sue Sadlowski Garza, the pride and joy of the 10th Ward, Alder woman of the 10th Ward. Great job talking to her. Uh, and of course, the, the Dennis, the aforementioned Dennis, we couldn't do this show without him. So I want to give him a shout out. Shout there we go. Out. There we go. And as Sue Sadlowski Garza, John Pope, Rahm Emanuel, 
Jeanette Taylor and Lori Lightfoot will tell you about the only thing they agree on. Is that back home in Alton? They call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. I'm not a doctor. I am... Um- 